Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and I am joined in the studio by Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. Now, if you missed episode one, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that. Steve and Rich introduced themselves, gave a little background on who they are, and then also kind of introduced this project. What is theology? Why is it important? So make sure you catch up on episode one if you haven't listened to it. Today, we are talking about the Bible. What is the Bible? Now, here at Desert Springs in Goodyear, Arizona, we have a doctrinal statement. It is on our website. You can visit it on the tab that says core values and beliefs. So here's what we would say the Bible is. The 66 books of the Bible are the inspired, infallible, and living word of God. They are without error in the original manuscripts and are the supreme and final authority for one's faith and life. So let's start with the fact that it's actually a collection of 66 books. So when we talk about the the book, the Bible, it really is made up of of many smaller books that were written throughout history uh, that contain the word of God. It's divided into two parts. The Old Testament, that's the first 39 books uh, that typically start with the uh, the books of Moses, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, and then in the New Testament, you have 27 books that start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's kind of the dividing line. So if you think of it historically, the 39 books deal with, from the beginning of time, Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, up until about 400 years before Jesus came. Uh, then Matthew starts with the birth of Christ. And then, of course, it takes us through Jesus' life, the beginning of the church age, the letters, what we call epistles uh, to the different churches, and then ultimately ends with the book of Revelation, the things which are to come, which kind of ties in then how is this all going to end and the kingdom of God appear for all of eternity. So 66 different books written by 44 or 45 different authors, depending on who you think wrote the book of Hebrews. We'll have to do a whole episode just (laughs) on on that. On the book of Hebrews, right? (laughs) Written over a period of about 1,500 years. uh, But that's what comprises the Bible, uh, the book that, that we have that we, we study and we, we preach out of. So when, when we say the Old Testament, Steve, what what do, at the time of Jesus, what we say Old Testament, but they wouldn't have said Old Testament. They would have called it the law. It, it was the law and the prophets. And it, it was scripture to them. And it is scripture to us. Uh, where sometimes people get lost is thinking, oh, well, we're in Christ. Is the Old Testament then irrelevant is it unimportant to us and no it's it's the bible it's the word of god it is the revelation of god his character his plan i mean one of the great things about studying the old testament is the plan of god pointing towards jesus that it begins to lay out that's right and jesus himself right you think about that story at the end of the book of luke where jesus is walking and he shows them in how the entire Old Testament or what we're calling the Old Testament, all the law and the prophets point to him. Point to Jesus. Yeah. And the road to Emmaus right after the resurrection. And so it's, it's really important 
pieces for us to understand. Plus, one of the fun things about the Old Testament is there's a lot of narrative. And in the narrative, what you both see is the greatness and the faithfulness of God, but also his greatness and his faithfulness to very flawed people. Uh, And what an encouragement to us that we, we don't have to be perfect, right? We don't have to, to be this one who is never messed up because the Old Testament characters that, that God has given us and told us about are people who he loves, he's at work in their lives, and yet they were flawed. They didn't do it perfectly, and they were subject both to, to God's discipline but also his mercy and restoration. And so it gives us a lot of encouragement. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what we're talking about on this podcast is theology. Mm -hmm. So where does the Bible fit in with that? Yeah. I mean, we start with the Bible in our uh, theological uh, examination here because it's God's revelation about himself and about all the other topics we're going to be talking about in theological subjects, it's God's revelation to us. So uh, scripture is where we go then to, to learn about God's revelation to us. And we think about our, you know, our doctrinal statement says that, that scripture is inspired, right? That's uh, think about passages like second Timothy three sixteen that literally God breathed, right? That, that God worked in, the lives and the minds and the hearts of the human biblical authors so that what they wrote down and that we have now in our Bible is what God wanted them to say. It's, it's God's word, God's message to us. And one of the cool things about how God did that though, and you could pick it up as you read the Bible is that though it is exactly God's words and what he wanted us to know he did it to the agency of different right, men right. and so used their backgrounds, their writing styles, their even perspective of thinking on things. And that's why when you go from one book to another, sometimes you, you've got to take a step back and right. go, oh, this is really because Paul wrote very differently than, say, Luke did. and. Right. So that's the beauty of inspiration. Right. They, they weren't robots. God wasn't dictating to them and or then them writing down whatever they heard or whatever. But he was giving them his exact words that he wanted us right. to know and communicating it to us through them. Right. And their how he had made them. Yeah. So, you know, our, our doctrinal statement talks about um inspiration and and it goes to this word infallible in our statement there and i think that this is a logical consequence of of the idea of inspiration that if god if god by his spirit is working in the hearts and the minds of these biblical authors such that the message that they write down is his message then what this means is it's fully trustworthy right it that the message that we get in scripture is fully trustworthy it's true uh, Steve, we were saying a, a few minutes ago before we started recording, I, I, when I think about the word infallible, I think about what our doctrinal statement says a few lines later, that it's inerrant. Maybe we could talk a little bit about what that means, because that tends to be a controversial subject, whether or not the Bible is inerrant. Yes, that it, it contains no air. And, you know, people struggle with that sometimes, because sometimes they look at 
sometimes the issues that come up with science, right? Right. And, and how does that line up? And um, but the but the Bible is true. The Bible is not a science book, right? The Bible isn't written that way. But yet, as you begin to follow it out, and as more and more knowledge becomes available, what you begin to find is that the Bible is always true. And so we can we can stake our life on it. We can let it be that linchpin of our life that we do everything through the lens of the Word of God because it is without error. It is never going to lead lead you astray if you have the correct understanding of what it's saying. Right. So, you know, the way I might say it is that it's totally true and trustworthy, right? So that everything that it affirms, there's no mistakes. It's not going to lead us astray. It's not going to say anything that's, that's wrong. But I think sometimes people get mixed up about what that means, that it's not wrong. So, you know, um, when we say that the Bible is without error, it, it that the idea of inerrancy, it does not mean that the Bible is exactly precise in exactly the way we would want it to be in whatever context we happen to find ourselves in. So just as an example, round numbers, we talked, uh, I I mentioned in in the last episode uh, that I've been married to my wife for 26 years. Now, actually, it hasn't been precisely 26 years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has been 26 years, but it has, it, it's actually been more than that, right? It's 26 years and certain number right. of weeks and certain number of days. And so am I saying something that's false if I tell you that I've been married for 26 years? Of course not. And we should expect the same thing uh, from the Bible, right? So let me ask this, because I think this is a question that has come up a lot, uh, just definitely in conversations I've had with people about my faith and and such. But so Steve, you mentioned earlier, the old Testament, Mm -hmm. the question of, well, is it irrelevant or is it whatever? Well, let's kind of dig into that a little bit because it is, it can get a little confusing when you look at the law, you look at all the things, a lot of the ceremonial stuff that we don't follow anymore, but then how do you grapple with that in the idea of what you all are saying? Well, you have to understand the law was given for a specific purpose, and it was the purpose of God's people, Israel, and it was really to protect them until the Messiah comes. When Jesus comes, he fulfills the law. He's the only one that could. It's what made him the perfect sacrifice. And so the law was fulfilled. You get into the book of Galatians. And so we know that by the works of the law, no one's justified, but Jesus fulfilled it. And so it's not bound on us. Now, can we learn things from the law? Can we see things about the uh, character of, of God in the law? Absolutely. But it's not, he didn't put it on all mankind he put it specifically on his people right when you read when you read the new testament authors like galatians you you mentioned i mean this is you you, we 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 realize that we have to read uh the hebrew bible as a christian through the lens of christ right and so a lot of the biblical authors they actually help us with that task and paul tells us in in his letter to uh, the Galatians, he explains some of that, like what is the purpose of the law? We could probably do a whole episode on that, but yeah, <laughs> but no, it's a good question. We don't read the law. And I think some people do make this mistake. They'll, they'll pick up the old Testament 
and read it as if that particular text that they're in is written directly to them and to their life. And it's not right. It's written to the it was written to those people in their lives for that specific time in salvation history and what God was doing with them. And so we have to we have to learn how to read those things differently. You know, one of the things we often say around here is context is king. And you do have to understand what was the purpose and to whom was he speaking? And then specifically thinking through what is it that we're today, though, supposed to take away from that? Is it just, again, irrelevant because we're not we're not Jews, we're not under the law anymore? No, there, there's a lot of relevancy there, especially when you think about how it points to the Savior and ultimately to the sacrifice and understanding. I, I, that's why I love the book of Hebrews, because I thought that mm-hmm. brought it out so well of that all of this were, were shadows and things that were, were moving us towards uh, towards Jesus. And yet Jesus is so far superior in, in, in every way and in every, every shape. So next week, and we still have some time, but but I just wanted to tell the listener that next week we're going to get into just some more specific questions about the Bible. So don't worry, we're going to, if you're having some questions pop up in your mind, we might be answering them next week. But right now, just to simplify it even more, let's say somebody's listening, they've never really studied the Bible. Where should they start? I always encourage someone that's brand new to the Bible to start in the New Testament. I I encourage them to start with the book of John. Oh, I do too. How about that? We didn't well, there you go. We didn't plan that. <laughs> but John is specifically written to people who don't necessarily have this huge background in, in Judaism or in the Old Testament or even to Jesus. And, and his description and introducing who Jesus is as both God and the perfect man and why he came, uh, it's, if you start getting into the book of John, he picks seven stories, he miracles, he picks seven teachings of Jesus, uh, and then seven unique sayings that Jesus talks about, I am. And he weaves them together in this beautiful tapestry of just presenting Jesus. And if you get Jesus, so much more of the Bible really becomes, you know, makes sense. Uh, so I always encourage people to start in the Gospel of John. You have anything to add to that, Rich? No, that's good. All right. (laughs) Well, great. I mean, as we wrap up, are there any final things you all wanted to say about the Bible and what it is? I just have one other thing that might take 10 more minutes. Okay. (laughs) We've got five. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll work it out. (laughs) So I I did want to go back to, uh, we we mentioned sort of closer to the beginning about inerrancy and about the Bible being true. And so the question I get a lot, and maybe this is just, you know, part of the the, the, the academic I, yeah, world. There I you get, go. I get Dr. These, Rich Holland. Yeah, I get questions from students all the time. Uh, like, why should I believe that the Bible is true? Why should I believe that? And so many times I think I can, we get accused of circular reasoning. Like, so 
like if you look at our doctrinal statement, we we say that scripture is inspired and then we quote a Bible verse. And so you have to ask the question, I believe that the Bible is true. Well, why do you believe the Bible is true? Well, I believe it because the Bible is God's word. Well, why do you believe that the Bible is God's word? Well, because the Bible tells us that it's God's word. Well, why should you believe that the Bible it tells us is right? Well, because I believe it's true. And we go around and around in a circle, right? And so people accuse us of circular reasoning, but that's not it. Right. So for me, I'll personalize this for me. If you ask me, how do I what makes me think that the Bible is inspired? Well, yeah, it's because it says it is. But why should I believe the Bible when it tells me something for that? I go to Jesus. Right. When you look at Jesus, Jesus, he acted and lived and taught as if the Hebrew Bible was absolutely true and was the inspired word of God. That's how Jesus treated uh, what we would call the Old Testament. Not only that, Jesus claimed for himself an authority equal with God's revelation in the Hebrew Bible. So he was claiming the authority for himself. And then, of course, he then conveyed that authority. He gave authority to his disciples to then communicate God's message to others. Now, okay, so so what? So this guy said, uh, my authority is great, whatever. For that, then we, we look to what is it? What, what happened with Jesus? Well, he was, he was crucified on a cross, and then he was put in a grave. He was dead, and on the third day, he rose from the dead after having predicted that that was exactly what was going to happen. So it's Jesus' life, death, and resurrection that really then provides the, the anchor, the foundation that, that Jesus claims about the authority of the Hebrew Bible, about his own authority and the authority of his disciples. Those claims of authority are finally vindicated in his resurrection from the dead. So it's not circular reasoning. It's all based on the resurrection of Jesus. That's really good. And hopefully this is helpful as people are having conversations about their faith with friends, family, neighbors. Uh, Steve, I, I had a quick question for you. You know, you mentioned in episode one that part of what got you thinking about doing a project like this was 2020. And we don't even need to go into the specifics. Just there was so much that happened that year. We we don't even have time to discuss it all. But part of the discouragement that came from that was seeing how specifically Christians were responding to things. And it seemed that the Bible was not being used to direct their thoughts. So how so talk to us about that. So. I think one of the things that we we fight, especially, to be honest with you, a church like ours, where we love to study God's Word. I mean, we do expository Bible preaching. We have Bible studies. As we were coming up today, there were men gathering to study the Bible. And if you're not careful, the end goal can be to get knowledge. Yeah. And that should never be the end goal of studying the Bible. The end goal of studying the Bible is to become more like Jesus. Mm. And how we do that is by learning about him. So there's a practical nature to the study of God's word. And I would even argue that if you can come and you can read and you can listen to a sermon or you can do your own Bible study, and at some point there is not a emotional response of joy or grief or movement towards, oh, here's something like, Lord, I'm sorry. 
or, oh, Lord, thank you, then it's become an intellectual exercise. And sadly, I think when you look at our world today, let's talk America and our culture, why the rise of the nuns, right? The, the, the ones who say they have no religion, no religious affiliation. I can't help but wonder if it's because we have gotten so caught up in, well, we know the Bible and we go and we study it, but there's it doesn't live itself out in our lives. And that to them, to people outside, then what's the purpose? What's the meaning? In fact, if if we're just like everybody else, or maybe even a little bit more on the condemnation side of things, because we do know truth and we tend to react to that. So to me, it's so important that we take the word of God, but we allow it to affect us, to, to cause us to see how are we reflecting the character and the spirit of Christ. That's what I believe that the word of God has given to us. Uh, to to reveal God, but because we're created in His image, and if we more we understand that image and we begin to live that way, I think the greater ambassadors that we we become in all of this. That's really good. I mean, this is all really good. I hope people are taking notes. I know I've been. Uh, we are running out of time, yes, but we we're going to be back next week. We got some questions and then Steve and Rich just in their years and years of work have also identified some of the the more common questions that they get. So we hope you'll be back with us again next week for episode three. We're just going to be talking through some questions about the Bible. So thank you all so much for joining us. Make sure you're subscribed and we'll be back next week. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information.